Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. Hi, I'm Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News, and welcome to our June edition of Law Technology Now. I have a very special guest today, my friend and colleague, Anthony Paunita, who is the Editor-in-Chief of Corporate Counsel Magazine, a sister publication to LTN. Welcome, Anthony. Hi. Nice to have you with us. Uh, It's great to be here. Thanks. And Anthony, your current issue is celebrating the 2010 Best Legal Department. Uh, And this is an annual feature for you? It is. uh, It comes out. uh, We've done it for the past three years in June. Well, for the June issue, but we actually start a lot earlier. This is the fifth time we're doing this. And what are some of the criteria that your team uses to determine uh, which of all the general counsel offices is the best of the year? Well, we um, it's a big list. Uh, Basically, we're looking for specialness. We're looking for creativity, innovation. Uh, We're looking for a certain amount of public spiritedness. Uh, We're looking for a legal department that isn't that isn't doing what legal departments were like, say, 20, 25 years ago, when basically they um, handled invoices for outside counsel and um, you know signed contracts. Um, there's a new model legal department that does a lot more work in-house that has a leading role in any litigation and really furthers the business interests of the company and is pretty central to its, um, you know, what companies do, what their mission is. You know, in law technology news, we've definitely noticed a big shift uh, of power, if you will, from the outside counsel and corporate counsel. I remember when I was a, a young lawyer in the early 80s that kind of the rep was, you went to be a general counsel if you really didn't want to work as hard as you would have to in a big mainstream uh, law firm. But it seems to me that this dynamic has reversed. Are, are you sensing that as well in, in, in your work with Corporate Counsel Magazine? And does this come through your stories as well? Oh, definitely. Uh, let, let me put it this way. The um, legal department is not a place where old lawyers go to die anymore uh, or to retire, for, you know, a nice springboard for retirement. Um, they're working just as hard, if not harder. They're, um, yeah, there are certain quality of life things. I mean, I, I do think that law departments tend to be somewhat saner in their atmosphere than some high-pressured law firms, but at the same time, they do a lot more work than they used to, like hands-on legal work. There are a lot of different reasons for that. Uh, part of it is because the legal function to companies is a lot more important than it used to be, and they think it's more important to have you know, a good pair, a bunch of people in-house right down the hall so that they don't have to get on the phone and um, be charged by the minute for every phone call they make this way. The CEO can 
go out to lunch with the general counsel and ask him or her some questions. It's there are a lot of reasons for it, but the best modern legal departments basically function like full service law firms. Anthony, before you tell us the big winner of the 2010 award, uh, tease us with a little bit of information about your three finalists. Uh, well, the three finalists are Discover, the credit card company, um, which has a small legal department, but they do a lot with the staff they have. We have HP, which a few years ago was, um, well, let's put it this way. They landed on our front cover for uh, not-so-great reasons. It was when they had that internal spying scandal, and they were actually obtaining illegally the uh, phone records of people of board members. And we have Williams, which is probably the biggest company nobody's heard about. They're uh, an energy services company uh, based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And what was the what was their sort of claim to fame that, that pushed them into uh, the finals? They also have a small, a very small law department, um, 39 lawyers, but they have systems in place to do everything. They're, they're real number crunchers. And with those 37 lawyers and the staff, they, um, they've really gotten their costs down. They, they provide legal services for their company in a very efficient way. Well, since this is law technology now, um, that's probably a hint that your 2010 winner is someone in in our legal technology uh, uh, community. So I'll I'll give you the proverbial drum roll, and you can tell us that the 2010 winner is the giant from Redmond, Microsoft oh. Corporation. Ah. So pulling my best Ryan Sequest here, we'll give Microsoft a little round of applause and tell us why they won and what was special about them in, in this, this competition. Well, first of all, they're incredibly complete. They do everything. They're one of those legal departments that, you know, they full service, they do their own IP litigation. Um, they do tons of stuff in-house, but more specifically, um, the legal department has been charged the past few years with a very special role. Uh, I mean, it's no secret that Microsoft was known as being a really pugnacious, take-no-prisoners kind of company, and that reputation wasn't really serving it that well. Um, you know, there was the antitrust case here in the U.S., and there was an... Uh, in Europe, there was another one that you know was probably ended up being more damaging to the company in terms of the time and energy they spent fighting the charges and the ultimate fines. And with uh, when Brad Smith um, was named general counsel, it was right after the uh, antitrust those hearings uh, in Congress. Um, I'm I think it was 2002, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Brad Smith came in, and he ushered in a new sort of softer and gentler public face. And basically, Microsoft's uh, legal stance has been, ever since then, one of conciliation of getting along with partners and adversaries instead of 
you know, this techno prisoners kind of conquering everything. Now, I know that you've spent time with Brad and I've spent time with Brad and I've had the opportunity to go several times to the Redmond campus and get briefings and whatever. And the the legal team really truly is quite impressive. Let me let me pull from your article and, and throw some figures out to our audience to give them a little bit of comparison, which is a little different than the small teams you were talking about. Uh, according to corporate counsel, the revenue, the 2009 revenue was $58.4 billion net with an income of $14.6 billion. There are 459 in-house lawyers and the Redmond uses about a dozen uh, outside main counsel. These names will be very familiar. Cadwallader, Covington, Davis Wright, Fish and Richardson, Oric, Munger Tolls, a uh, local firm Perkins Cooey, Shook Hardy, Sidley, uh, Wild Godshell. So those are all definitely, you know, M Law high up on the chain. Um, I'm sure they're all AMLAW 100 firms. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think they're they're all in the top 100. Yeah. Um, so what is it about Brad Smith that made him so effective in turning over, as we all know, this this reputation of, of where Microsoft go away that they had kind of before? Um, well, you know, I think Brad genuine, genuinely likes people and he's he's a very kind of thoughtful, cerebral guy, but he's also very friendly and low key. He's not someone that you know you're, you're afraid to meet. Uh, I had lunch with him at the Four Seasons. That was his choice. But you know, it, it was a very friendly affair. It was the first time we met in person. I had spoken to him and exchanged a few emails, um, but I never had any personal contact and. Yeah, some of these, you know, his counterparts elsewhere could be pretty formidable, and Brad wasn't. I mean, he puts you at ease, and you're under, believe me, you know right away that he's a smart guy, but he doesn't, he's not really ostentatious about it. He smiles a lot. He makes a lot of uh, jokes at his own expense, and he's very publicly spirited, too. I mean, one of the things that attracted us was that Microsoft has does you know a lot of pro bono work and they're you know they they're pretty out front about it they're not you know they, they really encourage their lawyers to go out and participate in clinics there and it's a big part of their the law department's mission and I would like to get back to the pro bono thing if we have time towards the end of our program. But before we do, your your story in the current issue spends a lot of time um, as an exemplar talking about how Microsoft handled a particularly challenging uh, uh, European Union uh, dispute. Can you walk us through that matter and I think it's a good illustration of the change in approach that Smith has uh, generated on for his team. Sure. Um, it, it's a familiar complaint. It's basically the same sort of thing that happened here in the in the U.S. Um, a government entity, in this case it was the European Commission, uh, which is the um, sort of action arm of the European Union, the legal action arm, uh, accused Microsoft 
of using the Windows system and the browser to lock competitors from people's desktops. And given that Microsoft has monopoly power, you know, nine, nine, what is it, about 95% of market share on desk, on in computer systems, um, they only had Internet Explorer on the desktop, and it was uh, pretty hard for, uh, sure, other, you can install other browsers, but it was hard to put it up. Most people don't do that, and they thought they weren't given the choice. So basically, they were accused of locking in their market power by supplying only their stuff, their browsers, their media player, and not allowing competitors space on the desktop. Now, in the United States, they fought that very, you know, they pushed back vigorously, and they didn't seem to give any ground. Brad took a different approach. He really negotiated with the European Commission um, lawyers there, and they, they've had a pretty good presence in Brussels and elsewhere in Europe for years, and they used, they worked on personal relationships, and they worked very closely with um, the commission lawyers to come up with a solution. They realized that the commission, for its own political reasons, um, wasn't going to settle easily, that they needed to make some sort of public statement, I guess, to show that they were battling the big U.S. colossus. Um, but in the end, it worked out. They, you know, There were tons of video conferences. They met closely. They shared meals, and they came up with a solution. Microsoft ended up spending, you know, paying about $2 billion in fines. But, um, you know... But they got a compromise? Uh, it, it worked out in the end. <laughs> and I think one of the things your story mentions that was the most, that jumped out at me, was the fact that even though they had more than about 40 lawyers who were involved in the case, they kept the actual team to a handful of people, so it kept it real personal. We have to go to a break. When we come back, we will talk more with Anthony Paunita, editor of Corporate Counsel, about Microsoft's pro bono activities. We'll be right back. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free. It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that, too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait. And we are back. 
Uh, we are with Anthony Panita of Corporate Council Magazine, Editor-in-Chief, and we've had a fascinating discussion about the selection of Microsoft's legal department as Corporate Council Magazine's 2010 Law Department of the Year. Um, Anthony, the, the magazine cites some of Microsoft's pro bono works and other factors that came into the decision on why they were chosen. And I noticed that one of the things that the article goes into was uh, a discussion of some of the work that Microsoft did uh, with uh, 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 pro bono affecting children. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, first of all, they used their technology that they had developed in-house. It's uh, photo DNA technology. Basically what it does is um, it looks at images, uh, facial images, and it sort of, it can detect certain characteristics uh, and, you know, as kids age, their faces change. But there are certain things that don't change or are fairly constant, and this technology uh, detects those, you know, and and can pretty much sort of predict what a kid is going to look like and will recognize uh, a kid. And this is really useful when kids are kidnapped or there is a custody dispute and a child is removed to another country and um, their image shows up online, which is happening a lot. I mean, People are sharing pictures all the time on services like Flickr and Facebook. So, you know, their software scours the net for these images and makes the match. And what they did was they donated the tool to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which is this huge group. I think it's based in Washington that helps law enforcement um track down missing kids. And Anthony, one final question. If I were a GC of a of a corporate law department and wanted to enter the 2011 contest, what advice can you give me about any particular things you look for, uh, your team takes a look at, and, and what kinds of traits have you found typically will, will distinguish one firm from another that a corporation might want to bring to your attention? Um, that's funny you ask that because uh, my executive editor, Brian Sopcik, and I were talking about that um, just a couple of days ago, and we realized that there is a common thread. Uh, all five of our winners face really difficult challenges. They face challenges. There were business reverses. There were prosecutions, whatever. There was something that galvanized the legal department into providing really creative legal work. And um, they rose, they more than rose to the occasion, whether it was putting in incredible compliance programs or cleaning house in other ways or some really sort of innovative litigation strategy, they they rose to the occasion. And in doing that, they furthered the business interests of their company. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, your garden variety, you know, defending a lawsuit, but it was really, they did something that was really important to the continued existence of that enterprise. That's great advice. Anthony, if someone wanted to reach out to you, how can they get in touch? Um, they can uh, our they can go to our website, which is 
corpcouncil.com. And there is a contact us page and just write me. Um, my email address is A-P-A-O-N-I-T-A at ALM.com. And um, I'm always happy to hear from people. Well, we want to thank you warmly and uh, and just a few housekeeping items before we wrap up. I want to remind everyone, as always, that there are three different ways to find us. First is our website, www.lawtechnologynow.com. Our producers and our wonderful, wonderful partners at the Legal Talk Network, which is, surprise, surprise, legaltalknetwork.com. And finally, as I always say, because we are so cool... We are in the iTunes podcast library. Special thanks, as always, to ALM's David Jasper and Jill Winwer, to uh, Legal Talk Network's Kate Kenny, Luann Reeb, Scott Hess, Mike Hockman. And remember, as always, there is no crying in baseball or technology. I'm Monica Bay. We'll see you next month. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.